last week. Turn your attention to the, uh, let's go back a little bit, there we are. Um, turn our attention for our scripture reading since we have several different scriptures to go through. Wanted to do it on the overhead, but this week I'd like you just to follow along as I read this. Let the words sink into your hearts. We're talking about the Holy Spirit today, and so we need as much as possible to glean some understanding. You see that we have a lot of material to cover, and uh, so together as you Stand there and read this silently. I want to read this aloud to you. John 14, starting with verse 15. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another helper, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. But because I have said these things to you, Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine, and he will declare it to you. O God, our Father, the maker of heaven and earth, we come to you now and, and pray in the name of Jesus, your only Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. We thank you that we can also worship you, our great triune God, for being the Holy Spirit who has come to be with us, but not just that, to be in us. And so I pray today for, for myself as I preach through the words that you have put into your book, your Bible. And I pray that we would see, Lord, I will not get to everything there is about the Holy Spirit, but those things that are needful, that are necessary, I pray that you would 
as, as your word just said, as Jesus just said, you would teach us all of the things that we need and that you would empower us to live lives that are honoring to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you, praise you. I not only pray for an anointing upon myself as I preach, but also an anointing upon all of us who hear your word that we might respond in a way that is pleasing to you. Thank you for already leading us in worship. I pray that you would continue to do so. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're seated, uh, let me remind you, and particularly for those of you who uh, may be here for the first time, uh, typically what I do and what we do is to preach through a book of the Bible. But several months ago, talking with the elders and trying to determine what are those things that are needful for us, we felt like doing this sermon series on foundations, the things that are essential for those of us who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we've already been through a study of the five solas of the gospel. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. And now we have been considering for several weeks the Apostles' Creed. We're going to be working our way through this ancient statement in the next couple of weeks of our core beliefs, and it goes back to the very beginning, and and we need to come back to this again and again and again, because I've discovered for me that no matter how long I have lived and, and, and walked with the Lord, and I begin to study things that are revealed in Scripture, we need to come back to the foundations because we live in a world that is post-truth. So what are we saying in this entire study? We're saying that we believe in God. We believe that God is one. Go back to the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. Here, O Israel, he was speaking to his people. The Lord our God is one God. And yet, and this is, this is a mystery. People for ages have tried to discover how to make this easy to understand. It's just not possible. But it is in the Scriptures. And so, while we believe in this one God... He eternally exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we've discovered things about each of those coming up to our study today on the Holy Spirit. It's been challenging, but I I hope that for all of you, it's been pretty straightforward. So today, if you look at it, the the statement right on the, uh, the bottom of your outline you'll see that we complete, not the the Apostles' Creed, but we're completing the statement of the Trinity. We started with, I believe in the Father. I believe in Jesus, His Son. And today, we're affirming, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I know that we are, by and large, a conservative congregation. We believe that the Bible is true. And that what it says is true, even when sometimes it seems confusing. But I want you to know that I personally have talked to people recently 
who still stumble over the teaching of the Trinity. Have you ever been talking with someone and, and, and talking about what you believe and you somehow say you believe in the Trinity? Have you ever had somebody respond with this statement? Well, that's not in the Bible. Within the last several months, I had somebody respond to me that way. Now, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. But it is the only way to affirm at the same time that God is one and that we believe that our God is in the persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, one of the, and there are many of them, I, I'll tell you, like I did last week, I, as I do my study, I just jot down scripture after scripture after scripture, and then I realize that if we're going to get through this sermon before 3 o'clock this afternoon, or before kickoff tonight, that I've, I've got to pare it down. And I thought to myself, what one verse, what one verse, if you were talking with someone this next week, and you somehow begin to talk about the deity of Christ, and they were to stop you. And listen, they will. Other religions refuse to believe in the deity of Christ, refuse to believe in the deity of the Holy Spirit. And they were to say to you, the Trinity is not taught in Scripture. Take them to this verse. Now, just ask it like this. All right? Here you've got Matthew 28, 19. What's... God's name. Now, look at that. Have you ever asked that question of yourself, just looking at this verse? See, and I'm going to say this about several other verses that we look at, particularly about the Holy Spirit. This is not good grammar, folks. But it's excellent theology. What's God's name? And you might say the, the, the biblical answer he is I am, and go through several of the other Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, Nisi, and all the rest of those. But Jesus himself said, here's the name of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three different gods, not multiple gods, but one God expressed in three persons, not three modes, Three persons. So let's walk through this outline that I put down for you. And uh, if you're accustomed to taking notes, you can jot down some things. First thing we're going to do is try our best from Scripture. And, 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 and we're going to go through this fairly quickly because I want to get to the application. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does He do? Who is the Holy Spirit? Let's start with what the Holy Spirit is not. Is anybody today using the King James Version of the Bible? Okay. We've got several. So in the King James Version of the Bible, what is the Holy Spirit called? The Holy Ghost. And there is a good number of people in this congregation today, you grew up on the King James Bible. And one of the things that was a little bit of a stumbling block the whole thing about the Holy Ghost. What's that? You see, when the King James was written back, published in 1611, 
that word meant something to them, but now it's evolved. And so if you hear somebody, like the, the, the usual old saying of the Apostles' Creed, we believe in the Holy Ghost, we started out with that, but then we changed it. Then all of a sudden, we've got a whole younger generation, excuse me, older folks, but we've got a whole younger generation that when they hear Holy Ghost, they're thinking of Casper. Or they're thinking of Ghostbusters. The Holy Spirit is not a ghost in terms of those kinds of names. The Holy Ghost is not an it. That's another fallacy of some translations. They knew what they were doing, but it doesn't communicate. The Holy Spirit is not an it. We're going to come to a little bit better definition in just a moment. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not a force like May the force be with you in Star Wars. Sometimes we get tripped up on biblical symbols. Can you remember any biblical symbols that the Holy Spirit is like? Okay, that's one of them. He's like the wind. Now be careful here. He's not the wind, but he's like the wind. That's one of the things that makes him so mysterious. He, He moves where he wills. He's like the wind. What else is he like? He's like a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a bird. He's portrayed sometimes in pictures as being a dove, being a bird. He's like a dove. He's gentle as he descends sometimes, but then other times he's symbolized by fire. He's not a fire, but that's a symbol of him. He's symbolized by water and perhaps a number of different things. Now, folks, we understand this kind, I hope, of, of saying that the Holy Spirit is like these things. We use this in, in terminology all of the time. For example, and, and I have said this to many people. I'm going to embarrass my son probably by saying this. But some of you know my son and I work out together. Ha, ha. We're in the same gym when we work out. Okay. Uh, but I'll, I'll make a statement like, Jason is as strong as an ox. Now, you understand what I mean by that, don't you? Jason is not an ox. Stubborn as an ox? Is that what somebody is saying? Strong as an ox. So the Holy Spirit is like these different things, but we've got to get this down. The Holy Spirit is a person. Sometimes I, I don't know that we really think this way. The Holy Spirit is as much a person as the Father is a person. The Holy Spirit is as much a person as Jesus Christ is a person. He is a person, the third person of the Trinity, And he is God. So let me just run through about four or five different things and show you some of the scriptures that pertain to this. I just said he's a person. You need to get this down. And this is, I'm condensing from several different chapters, John 14 through 16. Now watch this. Again, terrible grammar, 
great theology. I will ask the Father. In the Greek language, Father is, uh, is uh, in a particular gender. It's masculine. Okay, we understand that. I will ask the Father and He. Now the pronoun, I'm giving you a lesson in grammar, but this is important. He agrees with the, with the, the, the word Father. I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper, the Spirit of truth. Now, in the Greek, the word spirit, which can be translated as breath or wind, that is what's called the neuter. There's the masculine, there's the feminine, and there's the neuter gender. All right, are you with me? Now watch this. If good grammar is going to take over, then that would agree with the noun, the spirit of truth, you will know it. But John does something. Now listen, this is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So again, bad grammar, great theology. But when he, the, the other helper, the spirit of truth, you will know him, masculine. Why? Because he's a person. He dwells within you. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Whatever he hears, he will speak, he will declare, he will glorify me. Look over at the quote in your worship guide. This one thing alone, according to James White, will absolutely show us the deity of the Holy Spirit, that he is a person. It can be well argued that once the personality of the Spirit is established, the argument about his deity is over. The Spirit of God, who is said to be omnipresent, omniscient, active in the very creation itself, hardly fits the description of some kind of lesser being, but the fact that his, this Spirit shares the one divine name with the Father and the Son, he goes to Matthew 28 19 as well, makes his deity indisputable. We see that he's a person in several other verses as well. He who searches the mind, the hearts, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a mind. He thinks. One of the same Spirit works all of these things, talking about spiritual gifts, distributing to each one individually as he wills. He can choose to do things and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You don't grieve an it. Grieve is a love word. He is a person. Second thing, the Holy Spirit has the attributes of God. He is eternal. Hebrews 9.14 says that. He is not only eternal, He is also all-powerful. He was creating in the very beginning. And then we add on that Luke 1.35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He will overshadow you in the conception of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another divine attribute. He is everywhere at once. He is omnipresent. Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me. You have known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where, well, where shall I flee from your presence? He is all-knowing. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. 
For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. No one comprehends the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. So he has God's attributes. He's declared to be God. Look at this in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. And sometimes you have, to, you have to just really read these to see how that in the same several verses he is declared to be God. Peter said, you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? They were hypocrites. They had lied about the sale of a piece of property. So Peter confronted Ananias and said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then in the next verse, he says, you have not lied to men, but you've lied to God because the Holy Spirit is God. And then lastly, he is worshiped. Now, I don't know. I asked someone about this this last week. We sang it today, the song, Holy, Holy. Holy. Jonathan, maybe we need to see if, if, if this works here. I wonder why those angels in glory use a triune expression, holy, holy, holy. Why not holy, 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 holy? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say it clearly, but could it be that they are expressing praise for God the Father, holy. God, the Son, holy. God, the Holy Spirit, holy. He is worshipped equally with the Father and the Son. So the Bible reveals clearly that the Holy Spirit is a person. God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. That's important. That we know that. But what does he do? Let's walk through the rest of the outline and we'll see some of the things that he does. First thing is God the Holy Spirit is with us and lives in us. And for the life of me, I can think of no other religion that has a God that not only is with us, but comes to live inside of us. That is radical. Let's look at the scripture here that I've listed. And I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you. Did you catch that? And will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Let me show you another pas passage of Scripture that goes back to the Old Testament, and then we'll see how the New Testament inserts this. I will give you a new heart. We read this a minute ago. And a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. We jump to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Now, we know that Jesus was the original teacher, 
counselor, encourager, intercessor, and advocate. So how could that be a possibility for every Christian who has ever lived? Have you ever found yourself wishing that you could be with Jesus? That you could have his counsel straight up? Do you ever wish you could be in an inner circle where Jesus was with you? Folks, the truth of the Holy Spirit living in us is that you can. The instant that you were born again, the instant you believed in Jesus, the the Holy Spirit, God himself, comes into you never to leave you. And where does he live? Where does he live? What do we tell our kids? You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Now, let's not get into splitting hairs. I know sometimes people get down on certain terminology. Don't tell your kids, it'll confuse them. I I think that the Holy Spirit is a good enough teacher that eventually he will help them to understand it's not just your physical muscle that is beating within you. That is not necessarily where he comes to live within you, but he lives inside of you, the center of your being, and he will never leave you. Paul said, as he was talking about the Trinity and salvation, he comes to verse 13 in Ephesians 1. He says, In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Spirit. Sealed for the day of redemption. I I think that this is important because of not only what I have been through, but perhaps what you have been through in your own life. I grew up in church. I heard a lot about the Bible stories growing up. And and, and let me say this, and I'm going to give a disclaimer to it, uh, because I've heard a lot of people say these kinds of things. I don't remember the preaching preacher preaching a lot about the Holy Spirit. Now, all the time I hear people say, well, my preacher never talked about those things. And I've wondered, was it that he didn't preach about those things or I just didn't hear? So I don't really know, but I don't remember hearing a lot about that. So when I got into my teen years, I I fell away, sadly, and lived for several years not acknowledging the Lord Jesus Christ at all except when I was alone. One of the things that I I look back on and I could see that the the Holy Spirit was bearing witness with my spirit that I was his child and I was not living like his child. But at age 21, I had a, a, a radical turnaround experience. I got involved in, in my collegiate church where I met Jan. And there was another group in town I, I, I want to be careful about this because they were, they were a great group of people. 
But when I was around them, and I was around a lot of different Christians in that, that particular time span, they would say things like this, you know, Marty, I know you received the Holy Spirit, but boy, you would really be something if you got all of him. And I began to think about that. Is that, is that really true? I, and so as I studied the scripture, I realized not only was the Holy Spirit in me, not only was there the promise that he would never, ever leave me, but I asked the question, how much of the Holy Spirit did I get at salvation? Did I get half of him? Did I get all of him? If he is a person, what do you think? Well, it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what the scriptures say. And so I began to do a, a, a scripture search and I began to find out things like this. And this is true for each one of you. If you came to a point in time where you received the Lord Jesus Christ, you believed in his name, and for no other reason, he gave you the right to become his child. Isn't that good news? Now, there's something else that happened, not because of another experience, but simply because you became a child of God. Galatians, Paul says this, and because you are a son, a child, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. There is a direct relationship and the Holy Spirit is constantly calling out to the Father inside of you and then you go to what Paul said in Colossians chapter 2 and he says this about how much you got for in him in who Jesus Christ you got the Spirit of Christ in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form and in him you have been made complete. This is important because just as there is no such thing as a partially regenerate Christian, there is no such thing as a partially baptized in the Spirit Christian. There's another reality that was in that verse that we read just a minute ago. And I thought, th this is so significant. Jesus said this to you and to me. He said, it's the best thing that I can do to go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to send the helper. And, and that's very specific. I'm going to send another helper, another comforter, just like me. And then he said something that I think would comfort the heart's of his disciples. You've, get, you've got to consider what they were going through and all of the events as he was talking to them about this in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. He said this, and I thought this is so significant in light of some things that I've been looking at and seeing this past week. He said these words, I will not leave you. Now we already know that that's a theological truth, but he said this, I won't leave you as orphans. Now let that sink in. 
This past Monday was the observation of the Holocaust. And unfortunately, we, we live, we live in a, a, a time in our, in our world where there are people who actually want to redo history and say that might not have really happened. It really happened. And for some of you young people, I, I would go back and, and try to get some of these interviews from some of the people who were children. Just like World War II veterans, the Holocaust victims are dying out. But some of these people who were little children at the time in Auschwitz are still alive today. And, and I w was watching, some of you probably were watching the, the, the same news feed. And several times these, these old people would say, I remember when I went with my family to Auschwitz. I went this way and my parents went this way. And I never saw them again. And that hit me. I, I, just, I, I, I just couldn't imagine. I tried to put myself into the place of someone who all those years ago, as, as a, a child, and from that time on, an, an orphan, until they're in their late 80s, maybe even 90s. And I thought, oh, what would that feel like? Jesus made us a promise. I'm not going to leave you, my disciples, as orphans. Because he lives inside of each one of us. There's another thing. God the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth, and he will teach us and he will guide us into all truth. We saw these words a minute ago. He's going to teach us. He's going to guide us. He will bring to our remembrance all that He has said to us. For some of that's, us, that's good news. The Spirit of the living God is in you. Now, now listen, here's the application to that. God the Holy Spirit is not playing cat and mouse with you. He's not messing with you. He wants you to know His truth far more than you want to know it. He wants you to know His will for your life constantly. I have people saying, oh, Pastor, I want to know God's will for my life. Listen, the Holy Spirit is in you. He promises to lead you, to guide you, to give you everything that you need for living your life. He wants you to know His will for your life even more than you want to know it. Because you've been given all of the Holy Spirit at spiritual birth, but you will spend a lifetime learning to live it out. And here's the real question. The Holy Spirit is in you. You have all of Him. But listen to me. Does the Holy Spirit have all of you? Ephesians and Galatians. See what Paul says in these verses. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine. That's excess. That's waste, dissipation. Be filled with the Spirit. That's continual. There is one baptism, the Holy Spirit being put into you. 
you being put into the body, but there are many fillings. In other places like Galatians, he says, it is a walk, being filled with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. I don't think people really say these things a lot, but sometimes they, they act like it in, in the words that they say. Come to Jesus and all your troubles will be over. Do you ever catch that message sometimes from some people? Come to Jesus and all of your troubles. Well, a big problem will be over with. You're saved from hell and you'll be going to heaven. That's a pretty big problem. But all of your problems will be over? I shared with our ABF class today, there is a sense that when the Holy Spirit entered into my life, I became a spiritual schizophrenic. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you have that experience? When the Holy Spirit came into my life, even as a young man, there was a battle that ensued. There was incredible conflict that was set up between my natural inclination to sin and that new desire from the Spirit that was put in me to please God. Paul said it like this in Romans 7. He said, I don't understand the things I do. I don't want to do this. I want to do the things that please God. Wretched man that I am. Who will set us free? Thanks be to God. He has done that. But we just read that Jesus is going to guide you into all the truth. What will set you free from sin and death and loneliness? Truth. Truth will. One of the most, uh, let's go back here. One of the most misquoted verses in Scripture, I think, is out of John 8, 32, where Jesus says several things, but I hear it misquoted a lot. The truth will set you free. Now, is that true? Partly. Okay. The truth is the truth, and there are people in this congregation who are not free. You hear what I'm saying? If you go back a couple of verses, then you're going to get the full impact of that. And that's why the Holy Spirit leading you in the truth is so vital. If you obey my word, then you are my disciples, my followers. And then you will know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. This is what the Lord, the Holy Spirit leads you into. And the only way to be free from sin and death and loneliness is to come with the power of the Holy Spirit into the knowledge of the truth. If the Holy Spirit is leading you, is in you, He will guide you away from sin. He will guide you to pursue holiness. Again, there, there's a conflict. That's not perfect. But if you have the Holy Spirit, 
there will be that kind of conflict. He guides us on our path and in our purpose. Let's put up that slide that I did a few minutes ago. Here's the cry of the psalmist. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. God's purpose, listen, God's purpose and God's plan is not always the easiest path. It's just the best. And for those of you who've walked any time with the Lord, isn't it interesting how God will lead you to a place where you're, you're, over, your, you're over your head? And you're, you're sitting there wondering, how in the world am I going to pull this off? And this could be in, in virtually anything from a relationship to a job to school to just following the Lord, putting away sin and following the Lord Jesus Christ. But just remember this, that the Holy Spirit will never, ever lead you into a place that He doesn't equip you with gifts and abilities and His leadership to fulfill the mission that God has given you. Let's look. Still another one, and then a last thing right after this. God, the Holy Spirit, will testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is important. If the Holy Spirit is in you, He doesn't particularly want you to talk about Him. He is the, one person said, the shy member of the Trinity. If the Holy Spirit is really leading you, He is not going to brag on Himself. He's going to point to Jesus. And you can know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit when you're talking about Jesus. I will never forget. This, this is one of those situations, they, they happen, the Lord gives you a little bit of wisdom. You say, I, I never would have thought of that. But uh, this was, again, as I say, not here. This was in a galaxy long, long ago and far away. And I was doing something, I was in a, office building and I was riding up in an elevator a lady got on and we just we struck up a conversation pretty quickly and we started talking about the Lord and, and, and the wonder of the of the Lord and how good it was to be saved and, and different things like that and out of the blue this this caught me off guard and I knew which persuasion she was she looked at me and she said I'll bet you speak in tongues, don't you? And I thought to myself, now, what do I say in response to her? And I, I think this was a Holy Spirit-inspired response. I said, you know, I'm not going to say, yes, I speak in tongues. Because then you will probably think that the only reason I'm excited about Jesus is that I speak in tongues. And I'm not going to say, no, I don't speak in tongues. How's this for equivocation? But I said, I'm not going to, to tell you that I don't speak in tongues because the likelihood is you will discount everything that I say be, beyond this. And so rather than focus on a spiritual gift, why don't we just focus on Jesus? 
And she thought for a minute and she said, that's a good word. I needed that. The Holy Spirit will always point to Jesus. There's a last thing. God the Holy Spirit will give God's peace to us. He says it right here. I'm going to give my peace to you. Did Jesus have troubles and tribulation? Yeah. But he differentiated. He said, look, there, there are things in the world that can give you some peace. But they're not going to last. So disciples, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit who lives in you, I'm going to give you peace. Not as the world gives. See that ship? Oh, you can be confident on her. You'll sail right across the Atlantic Ocean. Don't worry. She's unsinkable. Oh, not enough lifeboats, lifeboats you say? You don't need them. She's unsinkable. Except she sank. God has given us in this life everything we need for life and for godliness. But as we live here, we don't look to those things ultimately for peace. And if we do, we're going to be disappointed. If I can just live here, then I'll have peace. There have been too many people that have move from here to there, and lo and behold, the, the same problems they had here, they, they have there. If I just put my kids into this kind of school, or take them out of school and do this with them, or whatever, then, are these things bad? No, they're not bad. But if you're looking for ultimate peace, they will never bring them. That next job, We're at the beginning of a year, kind of, my new exercise or health plan. They're not bad, but be careful. They promise peace, but at best it's only temporary. Trust in the peace that only God can give. Now, how do you get the Holy Spirit? John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit has been tugging at your heart, maybe not during this time, but maybe for the last days or even weeks or months, then today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. There's, there's a way to deal with that that. that conviction of sin and it's by repenting turning away from sin and turning to Christ believing on Jesus finished work on the cross and the Bible says you will be saved and you'll become a child of God and the Holy Spirit will be in you to lead you Father I thank you for the wonder of your word I thank you for the reality and the promise that you give. And through the simple affirmation, I believe in the Holy Spirit.
Lord, there is so much that you do on our behalf. Thank you for the third person of the Trinity. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives in me and every believer in this room. Thank you that you will lead us and guide us into all truth and into your path because your Holy Spirit is good. And now as we respond to what we have heard, I pray that you would deal with us. For those who don't know Christ, that today would be the day of salvation. For those of us who know you, that we would grow in our relationship from the Word, empowered by your precious Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.